Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So my mission with Aria and the Do You Care Now mission is to find a way to make mental health as important as whether your kid can run the mile or yeah, your physical health, your physical health, or whether your kid can, you know, get every a hundred percent on a math test. Mental health is just as important. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out. This episode is a hard one in a very important one. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people 10 to 24. 10 to 24. And that's on the CDC, if you don't believe me. As much as we all want to believe that we've done the work of normalizing mental health and therapy, there is still a huge stigma around suicide. Hell, around mental health. It's hard to talk about it. And so a lot of us just don't. But here at Help a Human Out, we believe we have to talk about the hard things. And today, it's going to be really hard and really, really helpful. We're going to start with a question that came in anonymously through email. The kind of message you only have to send anonymously because you fear judgment of others. Because you know the judgment of others. Here it is. Hi, Danielle. My question is a complicated one. I'm writing in because it's also very sensitive, and even leaving an anonymous voicemail seems like too much exposure. In July, my 14-year-old daughter attempted suicide. Even just writing that feels surreal and heavy. I can't believe it, and yet I was there. She was brought to inpatient mental health care for 10 days and is in intensive outpatient therapy. And her medications have been adjusted. We are in family therapy, utilizing everything we have at our disposal. There is nothing that can prepare you for your child not wanting to exist. And there is nothing that can prepare either of you for what comes next, which is utter and complete isolation. Her friends and their parents have pulled back from her. I don't want her to feel shame over what happened, but owning her story means being able to tell it when and how she wants to. I'm so angry and hurt for her that this event turned into a part of the high school rumor mill and that she is being shunned by her closest friends. I'm also hurt and angry. This is my kid. These are kids I have driven to soccer and school dances. Moms I have volunteered with and partied with. The hardest thing is that I understand. 
I understand them pulling back because if I didn't have this experience with her, I'd still be just like them. I would be afraid of suicide contagion. I'd be afraid that a girl who didn't want to live would make my own child not want to live. I haven't even asked a question yet, and I have about a hundred of them. How do she and I move forward together? How can I help her own her story without shame, but also with the self-protection she'll need to get through the rest of high school? How can I address the stigma with other moms and kids? Am I doing this right? Sincerely, Mom. So that was the question that came in. It's every parent's nightmare. The nightmare of any person, really, who loves a young person. And this is something that is killing our kids. And unfortunately, I knew exactly who to call to answer this question. It's my friend Brittany. And she's the person to talk about this because, well, you'll hear why. Here we go. But before we start, please know that you get to take breaks. You get to take pauses. Take care of yourself while listening. Because I know this episode is going to help a whole lot of us, but I also know how tough it's going to be. Hi, Brittany. Hi. Hi. So, okay, I'm just going to name this because this is a really difficult subject um, for everyone, but I know it's also a very sensitive subject for you. So I want to say thank you because what we do here on Help a Human Out is find someone who has some type of expertise in something through lived experiences, through something that has happened to them. And I hate that you have to be the expert on this. I really do, Brittany. So I just want to say I love you. I'm sorry that you have to be the expert on this, but I'm so grateful that you are on here with me today, and I'm really, really hoping we can save some lives. So that is why we do what we do, and I'm so proud of you, Brittany, for turning your trauma into something beautiful. Like, you are you are doing the work, Brittany, so thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Miss Danielle. <laughs> your story is so important, and it's not just your story. Your story is also Arya's story, Buggy's yeah. story. So Buggy's story. Yes. Who is Aria? Ooh. I know. And take your time, babe. Aria is a light. Um, Aria is my beautiful daughter who brought joy and love and light and advocacy and all of these incredible things to many people's lives. Um, so talented, um, so beautiful. Um, when she walked in a room, she just lit up, um, lit up the room. She was performing. She was doing so many incredible things. And um, she was the love of my life, the, the joy and everything um, that I worked hard um, to be. I need to pause for a second because I need people to understand that um, Brittany and I know each other. And Brittany sang at my wedding. 
she sang um, at a funeral for me. (laughs) Brittany has a voice of an angel, and so did Aria. And Aria popped up at little events with, I just remember this beautiful, oh, she was, she was Black Girl Magic personified. She was everything. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> she, she, she was everything, Britt. And I will tell you that I was, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep one night. And I was just rolling around and I'm like, okay. And so, you know, what do we do when we can't sleep? I pick up my phone and I start to scrolling. And you know when you see a post and you're like, wait a minute. And I see a post and I realize something has happened to Aria, to Buggy. And my heart instantly is like, wait a minute. And I'm like, okay. But I can't tell exactly what has happened. I just know something is not okay. And I'm seeing the messages. And then, you know, as you continue to see messages and you see certain messages like, I really wish you knew how loved you were. And that, I instantly, my whole body, I, I have goosebumps right now, Brittany, just telling you this. My whole body like froze up and I thought to myself, oh, no, 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 no. And obviously I didn't want to ask you. So I just messaged you and I said, I don't know what's going on with Buggy, but I love you and I'm so sorry and I'm here or something along those lines. And... What happened to Arya? My 13-year-old daughter completed suicide. I'm so sorry, Brittany. I'm so, so sorry. And I know that as a social worker, you probably were like, what? How? Like, this is what I do. Right? Exactly. I want to know what was the what was the last conversation you had with Aria was she struggling like what how did you when you when you the last conversation you had with Aria did you have any idea um no um absolutely not and I think that's part of my mission and why I've been working so hard towards suicide prevention um primarily within young children um So Ari and I did get in a little bit of a tiff um, Mm -hmm. the night before she had passed. And um, we were talking about um, her math. She was not doing well in math. And I said, Aria, I don't care what I have to do. If that means I take your phone, if that means you don't get to see your friends, I don't care what I got to do if I have to quit my job. I'll do that so that we can get you back on track for math. Yeah. She was struggling in math. And, and you were what, you were telling her, I will do anything. And I think, and I'm assuming, and you can clarify, was she hearing that you just didn't care? That's all she heard was, I don't care. And that is so important because when we think about, and Brittany, thank you, first of all, for your transparency and your vulnerability, because I, we don't know what our kids zone in on. Right. We we don't know what part people hang on to. And you were telling her, baby girl, I'm going to do anything. We are going to get you through this. And all she heard in that was, well, you don't care. And, right. you know, sh- she's so young and she's, 
And there's social media and there's, you know, all this stuff happening. So you end the phone call with Buggy and what happens? Well, we ended up, we ended the phone call and I had explained to her what I meant and exactly how like you just broke it down and, um, and explaining like what I really meant, Mm -hmm. um, and like what I was trying to portray to her, right? Like what my goal was in the conversation was for her to realize, like, I care so much that I will do whatever I have to do. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we ended the phone call. She did say something like to the extent, um, why didn't you just say that? And (laughs) I was like, you know what I mean? So why didn't you just say that? Right. Yeah. So like what, <laughs> like I could have been a lot more clearer to her if I just would have said it in a certain way. And I said, you know, um, it, it, I was trying to get there. That's what I was trying to explain, but she just didn't hear that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended the conversation. Well, she was frustrated with the fact that I did change her math class. So the next day she, w- she was starting a, well, actually she had started that day, that Tuesday. Um, and she was going to be continuing this new math class that was just a little bit, um, not as intense and she'd be able to get more one-on-one attention mm-hmm. so that, cause we were going early Mondays, um, so that she could get one-on-one attention. And then, um, like I think it was early Wednesdays as well. Okay. Um, the conversation ended well at about. Uh, she said, good night, mom. Um, Nani, who's, she was not staying at my house because I have, I had to be at work at 730 in the morning and school didn't start for her until 940. Mm-hmm. And those days were the days that she would go in early for um, school. And also you have to remember in February, January of 2019 in Minnesota, which you weren't here for, but these kids were missing Days and days and days it and days and days upon so end of cold, school. right? It was freezing. I mean, Aria had met, I mean, Minneapolis Public Schools, what she went through, went to the week before, the whole week, except for Friday, had been a no school. So right. I could, I didn't want to leave her at home alone while I was at work. So I had her staying at my mom's. Mm-hmm. So the, she texts me at about 10. PM and said, love you. Good night, mom. And I said, I love you too. Good night. And then at about 1145, I just like still didn't feel comfortable with how everything ended. And I texted her again and I said, I love you so much, buddy. And it went unread. Mm. And I woke up the next morning to a phone call from my stepfather. And when you got the phone call and you answered it, did you know something was wrong instantly? No. He called me and I um, had worked the night before because I was serving a little bit, a -hmm. little bit, and he owned the restaurant that I was serving at. Yep. And I, it comes up his name or the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I just messed up 
my checkout or something like that. You know, I didn't answer the phone. Oh no. I didn't answer the phone. I literally just like took it and and pushed it down and was like, ah, I got to get up in a little bit to go to work. Like I'm just going to skip this. And then Mm -hmm. about a minute and a half later, he calls again. And, uh, I answer, I say, Hey Gary, what's up? You know? Mm -hmm. And he said, Brittany, I need you to get over here right away. Oh no. And I said, what? And he said, I need you to get over here right away. And I sat up and that's when my, you know, my heart started. Your your mommy, your mommy intuition, all of that. I know. I was sweating. I, I just, at that point I knew something was wrong. I said, Gary, what I said, I said, Gary, why? And he paused and I said, Gary, why? And I said, is she dead? And then he was quiet. I said, is she dead? He said, yes. And I hung up the phone. I hung up the phone because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, it felt like I was in a movie. I know. Miss Danielle, like I I felt like I was in a movie. So um, I sat on the floor and at that point, my boyfriend walked over and he said, what happened? And I said, can you call Gary? Because I'm pretty sure you just told me that Ari is dead. Oh, my God. So I was in shock. Of course you were. I was in were. shock. Yeah. And um, he took my phone, walked in the other room and uh, <sighs> confirmed. and. I looked, he came down and I was just sitting on the floor and I don't even think I had started crying yet. Um, I was just in shock. I was in complete shock and I looked at him. I said, is it true? And Nick just said, Brittany, we got to go. So. Brittany. I'm going to pause for a second and say that you experienced the unimaginable, literally the unimaginable. No parent ever, ever. So I know. I also know that suicide is the second leading cause of death for individuals 10 to 24. Yeah. I do not know how 10-year-olds even know about suicide, Brittany. I am mind-blown when I read stories about 8-year-olds who have killed themselves. I, and their frontal lobes, Brittany, they're not even fully developed. They don't understand. They don't understand. And so... What is what is your mission? And I want you to spell it out for me completely. And I know, here's the thing. I knew you were passionate about this before you lost your baby. I can only imagine 
how that passion has exploded inside of you. And I also want to know why your blog is named Do You Care Now? So I know I just asked a difficult question because there was like three parts to it. So let me slow it down. Right. What, is, what is your mission? And I want you to spell it out completely for me. Um, I am a mental health therapist. I assess suicide um, on, a daily base, on a daily basis. Um, my clients, I'm watching them. I'm reading their behavior. I'm making sure that they um, don't have plans or access or means to do to complete, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very strange position for a mental health therapist to lose their child to suicide. Um, and I have to be honest, I did not know that suicide was the second leading cause of death mm. um, for I kids. I do. Who, who like who knows that? You, you never think that. Why would we think that? Right? Like. Nope, I didn't know that. I did we not think know that teens and little ten-year-olds are going to kill themselves. Like we would never assume that or think that. We're we're so worried about all these other things, and and mental health is what we really need to be worried about. Exactly. So there's a reason. There has to be a reason that in the last ten years, that suicide has jumped. Suicide in this age group has jumped. Tremendously. I think there are many reasons. I think that social media plays a role. Oh my God. Um, it's the devil. Access, yeah. I think having having the access to everything um right at your hands, you know, is extremely powerful, but cannot be can I'm sorry, but could be powerful and not a positive way, right? Right. Um, Also, we're living in a world where both parents have to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the economy is not great. Um, There's, you know, a lot of stressors. And I, Aria wasn't even around for COVID. I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like for me as a single mom to have to deal with all the stuff that these mm-hmm. kids nowadays are with COVID. Wow. Um, so there's these environmental stressors. Yeah. Huh? So with that, kids are becoming more anxious mm-hmm. and kids are becoming more depressed. And right. if you learn about the brain, the part of the brain that takes over um, impulse control, Mm -hmm. um, planning for the future, um, focusing attention, predicting consequences of actions and anticipating events of like what will happen with those actions. It is the last thing to mature in the brain. And that doesn't happen until you are 25 years old. Okay? So that's a problem. Yeah. Um, There are many, many children that have too many things in their grasp when they're not 
physically capable yeah. to understand the finality of it. Okay, so we know that suicide rates have been steadily on the rise over the past 20, year, 20 years. Mm-hmm. We know yeah. that, you know, some of the results from the 2019 Youth Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System show that in the past year, 18.8% of high school students seriously considered attempting suicide. And 8.9% of them attempted. And right. and that's who, that's who say that they did. Right, because, <laughs> because right? We, know men- we know mental health and we know how many people are not talking about it. And so, Brittany, right. I, I know, um, I know that when you heard me read this letter or when you saw the letter, from this mom yeah. who is mm-hmm. is dealing with this. I know you take this very mm-hmm. seriously. Extremely. Extremely seriously. And and do you feel like you missed any signs? That's tough because hindsight's 2020, right? right? Of um, course. It all it always is. It honestly, um, no. And I believe you because I think so many of our kids are brilliant at hiding their feelings. And I know you have been an emotional 13-year-old girl before. I've yeah. been an emotional 13-year-old girl before. I know what that's like, right? And the signs for suicide that are for adults are very similar to typical teenage behavior. And that's what's scary Mm. is because the problem is, is when they're in those moments of emotional dysregulation and um, they're upset and they're mad, they can't see past right this moment. Yeah. All they see is right now. So, okay. Um, when I got to my mother's house, um, I didn't want to see Ari. I didn't want to see her life in that condition. You didn't want to see her life. not how I wanted to remember her. Right. No. Um, I did ask to hold her hand. I held her hand and then the medical examiner, they took her away. And then I, I tried to do my own, like, you know, like detective work, right? I started going, Buggy loved having popcorn before she went to bed. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew that my mom made her a bowl of popcorn before she went to bed the, the night that she passed or whatever the timeline mm-hmm. was. And I looked at the popcorn and I want and I wanted to see if there was it was gone, if she ate it, if, if she, she ate any you know, right. Yes, you yeah, you were, like I it, know. Like like if she did her normal routine. You were was you were this, piecing it all together. Yeah. And when my mom told me what had happened, I looked to my right and on the on the closet door. And purple eyeliner. It said, do you care now? Mm. Question mark. 
And that's that 13-year-old little brain that's not fully developed. You know and, that. You know that, right, Brittany? Uh, absolutely. I do. Okay. I do. Okay. And it's, it doesn't change how much it literally punches me in the gut. I know. <laughs> that I know. doesn't change. I know. But, um, but you do She care. was still mad at me. She was so <laughs> mad at she me. She was 13, Brittany. You know? She was mad as hell. She was 13. Yeah, she was. You she know, was we're, 13, we're, she was we, mad at her mom. She was. We're all mad at her moms at 13. I, I, I think, I think that, oh that do, do you care now is, 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 um, it's, it's tragic, but it's also a brilliant question because, um, one, you always cared and two, you really care now, right? Like you are so passionate about this. You are doing everything you possibly can to save other kids. Like this is, this is your mission now and it is obvious why. So when we think about mom, um, yeah, yes, when we think about mom who is struggling, you know, her, her, her daughter spent 10 days in intensive outpatient therapy. They did the the medicine adjustments and she said, there's nothing that can prepare you for your child not wanting to exist. Oh, I know, you know, that feeling, Brittany. So, so how does she move forward with her daughter because here, here here's here's what hits me i think the most you don't have to try to keep your daughter alive anymore because she's not here right but there are right. mothers and fathers everywhere who are literally trying to keep their babies alive right and this is mom mom is trying to keep her baby alive and how do they move forward, Britt? Like how do right. and, and how do you even live a life as a mother and you think how do you let your kid out of your out of your sight if you think they're if they've done something like this, if they've attempted suicide? Like how do you <laughs> give them certain freedom? How do you not lock them in a closet and say, I'm gonna protect you at all costs? How like what does mom do? She she does care, right? You cared. We all care. Parents care. Now, our kids might not know it, and they may take the things that we say differently than we mean, but we always care. So how does she move forward with 14-year-old baby girl who has now been ostracized from her friends, isolated from her friends? What what do we give them to help them through this? It's such a huge question, and it's such a bigger answer, right? So um, first off, I have to give props to mom because mom is doing everything that she can at this point to be as supportive to her daughter as possible. Um, From what I've read um, with her question and um, how she has taken the steps to make sure that her daughter is in a place that she feels comfortable enough to bring her home, right? Yeah. Um, I was extremely struck by this story because of the stigma. So the the problem is, is everybody says, oh, we're getting past this or mental health is, is we're, we're talking more about it. So things are getting better. And I think there is <laughs> some truth about it, but- it's definitely not true with suicide. 
It definitely is not true with suicide. They, and I would, and I would say to mom that I think part of the reason why the parents might be pulling away is because they're seeing the same behavior in their own kids. Yep. So she's not alone. She's absolutely not alone. If I'm not mistaken, um, Brittany, didn't you have some of that isolating stuff after Aria passed away? Oh, I still do. I live in a small city. Or I'm sorry, a small community in a big city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I can walk through the Ruger's bagels up the street and I feel like people are staring at me and they're like, that's her. That's her. You know? So yeah, yeah, there is this, there's this feeling of, um, oh, either I, you know, I was a bad parent or, um, I don't want my kid to be around her or Mm -hmm. obviously being around mom's child. Um, I can absolutely 100%, um, really relate to her that feeling of stigma that comes with it. Um, Now, mom is, it seems like mom and daughter have a very good relationship. And mom is doing everything she possibly can to make sure that her daughter is okay. Um, But what is sad is right now during this time, this age group, the most important relationships to kids during this age group, this role, um, this is, or I'm sorry, this identity versus role confusion is really their social relationships. So it's so important for her daughter to have these social relationships and um, kids to talk to um, and be around. And I don't know what city she lives in. Um, my definite first, um, suggestion would be to, um, find a support group. Yes. Um, of moms and kids that have attempted before. Um, I'm a huge DBT advocate. It's dialectical behavioral therapy. I've heard a lot um, about DBT. An, oh, it. I, so, yes, DBT is all about teaching skills um, when you're really emotionally dysregulated, like when you're super anxious or super angry or super mad. Like DBT teaches tangible skills. Yes, on on how to help yourself. So okay. I would definitely suggest maybe finding. Um, a DBT group, and they are doing them via Zoom. Now, say she doesn't, say, you know, it, it is COVID and it's so hard and 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 making those connections um, are just slimmer than they were prior to COVID. Yeah. And um, so it's important that you really um, look around and find connections in other ways. And it's like, amazing to me because I think, Brittany, I think that people don't realize that these things exist because 
you have to search for them in such an awful time. It's not like you're it's not like you're looking for these resources when your kid is happy and flourishing and thriving. So it's that you don't know that these things exist, right? And then all of a sudden uh-huh. your child is in crisis and you're like, "Oh my god, what do I do?" But it, I think it, it is extremely important to know first of all that so many people struggle with mental health. I'm I'm I need to say this real quick as an aside. I have spent quite a few times in mental health institutions as a person who struggles immensely with um, regulation. I have, you know this, Brittany, like I I have, um, I had postpartum depression three different times. Like I, I, you know, I, I just want to name that mental health is so real and Mm -hmm. these babies are going through it in a world that I don't know how they're surviving anyway. So the, the stigma is what pisses me off the most. Uh-huh. Brittany, like, the stigma is what pisses me off the most. Because you would you. rather not talk about this. You would rather hush, hush, hush. You would rather keep this a secret than to save these kids. That's not okay with me. Like, why Why uh-huh. are we, Why are we doing this? Why? why like, why? Yeah. Like, why? And so how, how can... So we, we know she can get a support group and, and she can get these resources. How can mom, how can mom address the stigma with other moms and kids? Did you have to do any of that? I know that I, I remember that the school was like hush, hush about things, which I think is ridiculous. Oh, they, were, they, they handled Aria's death so poorly, so poorly. I honestly, my biggest fear was that it was going to be a domino effect. And I think that's what most parents fear is, is this domino effect, right? So if one tries it, all the rest of them are going to try it. The same way if you're, if one of your kid's friends tries smoking weed, all the rest of them are going to do it. Or one of them has sex, all the rest of them are going to do it, right? So there's this domino effect that parents are so terrified of. Yeah. So that they're not talking to each other and they're just like, they're, they're like, Nope, I'm just going to pull my kid and I'm going to isolate my kid. And and, and that's going to make it better, right? It's, right. It's not, right? So, I mean. And talking about suicide doesn't push people to complete suicide. Um, Absolutely not. Why so do there people think that? Been plenty, there has been plenty of research that actually talking about suicide helps people feel like they're not alone and decreases suicide. It doesn't, Mm. talking about suicide does not make people complete. All right, we need to take a break, but we will be right back after a message from our sponsors. Led by Olympian sprinter Michelle Lewis-Freeman and wellness coach Jennifer Forrester, Track Girls is a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing girls access to sisterhood, empowerment, and track and field. Programs include grants to provide financial and training resources, empowerment workshops and camps to provide mindset, nutrition, recovery, and performance education tools from world-class athletes, coaches, and industry leaders, and Dream Builders after-school program designed to build a clear path towards the future using a research-based curriculum and speed and conditioning program designed by Michelle and Jennifer. Shop the Track Girls Holiday Guide to purchase a selection of apparel, training equipment, recovery tools, and fun experiences such as a virtual mind and body masterclass with an Olympian. 
All purchases help raise money for Track Girls programs to provide girls access to education, mentorship, and sport through track and field, a sport that has social, academic, and well-being benefits for girls. You can help raise money through your participation in fun fundraisers, such as their virtual speed series, where adults and youth can participate in sprint distance running challenges. Go to trackgirls.com to shop, donate, or learn more. That's trackgirlswithaz.com. Your purchase or donation will make a difference. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. are back. Today I'm talking with my friend Brittany about her daughter Aria, Buggy, and the importance of talking about mental health and suicide with our kids. So I, I just want to highlight that again for all the moms, all the dads, all the parents, all the all the grown people in the lives of these children. Talking to your kids about suicide talking to your kids about the big things is not going to make them do them. It is going to equip them with the necessary knowledge to protect themselves and to stay alive. Talking about suicide is not going to lead your child to commit suicide, to complete suicide. It is going to arm your child with information and knowledge to save themselves. So I just wanted to make that because I... I worked with this organization called This Is My Brave for a really long time. And one of the biggest things was that kept coming back was that people think if we talk about suicide that we're going to make people commit suicide. And I I just couldn't understand that. It's not true. It's not (laughs) true at all. It's completely false. It's not true at all. What does mom do besides the support group? How can can we get get baby girl to own her story without shame? Because first of all, the support group will help. But also right. with, like, the self-protection she'll need to get through the rest of high school. Because, you know, Brittany, one misstep in high school. And that's, yeah. what, that's what you're known and for. That was, that was when we were in high school. Now, I would say raise your kids better to be supportive. Because if your uh-huh. kids are going to isolate someone who is in the worst time of their life, then maybe we need to teach a little bit about empathy. That's just my my right. perspective. But how, yeah. can, how can mom empower baby girl? to, mm-hmm. I don't know, to get through the rest of high school, to understand that her life matters, to, and there's so many questions, Brittany. I don't even know what to do with this because I just want to save <laughs> yeah. the baby so bad. I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you know. Yes, I do. I do. So first off, mom, I commend you at, at being so brave to just be there and be your daughter's advocate 
And um, she clearly, from what I hear and from what I've read, she really trusts you and talks to you and continue to keep those lines of communication open. Yes, join a support group. Um, not only not only should she do um, a skills training type of group, but you need to support to join a support group yes. for mothers that have um, teenage kids that are either maybe not have tried um, completing, but might um, have, you know, might be coping in other ways that uh, in ways that aren't healthy, like self-harm you know, or, or drugs or whatever, so that you feel supported. Mm-hmm. Okay. So along with that, mom wrote in her email that this isn't something, there's, it says something to the extent like this is a part of her story. Yes. And I thought that that was such a beautiful remark because it's not something to hide. Aria completed. Aria completed, and she completed on her first try. Okay, mm-hmm. her daughter attempted and did not complete. So there's a story there. There is a if if her daughter wants to, right? There mm-hmm. is a reason that she is here, and absolutely, I can't make fourteen. I can't make fourteen year old girls any nicer. I can't make 15, I can't make high school better. Any easier. I yeah. wish I could for you. I wish I could, you know, but like really owning that there is a reason that you are here. Oh, come on, Brittany. And, yes. And really, really just like digging into what is that? What does that look like? Like, what does that look like for her? Right. Because as, it, as we know, and as you know, Brittany, everyone doesn't survive the attempts. Exactly. And this girl did. She did. It's so easy for me to say, you know, who cares what the parents think and who cares what the kids think? So it's easy for me to say that, but like, we have to really focus in on what are her, what are the things that she wants to get out of this? Like, let's, what is your story? What do you want? She has school and then, like, what are other things that she's into? What are things, like, what are, what is her story? And it's what so hard right now for kids because of what this. is happening in the world. Right. Mm. Exactly. Exactly, Miss Danielle. So, I mean, I just want to praise mom for yeah. doing, you know, because we need to validate. So, Validation is so important. You know, if I, and that is one thing that I regret that I did not do that night for Aria was validate. Like, I understand that this math class makes you feel not as smart as some of the other kids, mm-hmm. you know, or this math class switches up your schedule. I understand that is hurtful. That's validating. That's validating, right? So that means that you are coming down to their level. You're showing understanding. You're showing empathy. Yeah, that social emotional piece is so big. Huge, Danielle. And and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. And so my mission with Aria and the Do You Care Now mission is to find a way to make mental health as important 
as whether your kid can run the mile. Yeah, your physical or health. Whether you, your physical health or whether your kid can, you know, get every 100% on a math test. Mental health is just as important. And what I mean by that, and that that is being able to emotionally regulate and show empathy and and be kind. And mm-hmm. when you're anxious, what are things that you can do when you're anxious? How can you how can you bring yourself down? So kids are sponges, right? So like this is yes. their brain and they're still they're still learning. So if we teach kids at a young age how to emotionally regulate and that it's if if I had it my way, it would be mandated. Absolutely um, it would be. It would be mandated. But if we teach our kids how to cope in a healthy way, when those moments come that are super intense and you're being bullied or you're not feeling great or you're feeling anxious or, oh, crap, my I'm getting moved out of classroom with my best buddy. I failed a test. My best friend's mad at me. They said something about me on social media. Oh, my gosh, I didn't get enough likes. Oh, I, I didn't filter this picture and I forgot. Like, the things that run through their minds. Right. That they have the skills, mm-hmm. skills, actual tangible skills. I think that one of the biggest things I think about a, a, a lot, which is weird, like I'm just sitting here thinking about these things, but the, you know, the empath mind is complicated. I think about, um, you know, my own kids, two daughters. I always think about tools and I always tell them, I am giving you, when they're mad at me or they're asking me, why are you making me do dishes or why are you doing this or what? I say, I am giving you a toolbox, right? Uh And in this toolbox, we are going to keep putting tools. Uh And so in situations that make you uncomfortable or angry or, or you don't understand why, it's a, there, there's going to be a tool in this toolbox and literally, you know, Marley, she'll be like, well, I don't understand what the tool is for me doing dishes. And I'm sa- I said, the tool is you're going to know how to take care of yourself. That's your tool. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able yeah. to keep your space safe and clean and, you're, and not cluttered and you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. I want to give my kids a toolbox that is bulletproof. I know we all do. And so yeah. when you talk about those skills, Brittany, I hear you. I feel it in my soul because what our kids need is a toolbox and they need all the tools and they're not getting mm-hmm. it. They're not getting it from, I, I'm an educator. They're not getting it from school. They're, they're not getting it from school. They are all. not. As a and, teacher, I can tell you flat out, your kids are not getting some of these tools. Those tools have to come from home. They have to come from home. And but you know, what if but what if that what if those kids don't have the luxury that you know Marley and Della have? You're right. And that Aria has. You're right. And we and we gotta think about the kids in foster care. Right. The kids who don't have parents that show up for them. What do we how do we protect them? How like it's such a con it's a, such a battle, right? It's such a battle. <laughs> but but all I know is is what you hit the nail on the head. These are skills that they can learn. They can learn. We have to give them access to these tools and skills. We have to reinforce 
these tools and skills. If you are listening, if you love a child, know a child, hell, you were a child once, you might not even have these tools as an adult. Yep. These tools yep. are so important. Understanding how to calm yourself, how to wait 24 hours before you make a really big decision. Understanding these things and having these tools are so necessary. And I'm mind blown that they're not in schools. Why there's been such a jump yeah. in why suicide is a big, um, has now become the second leading cause of death in that age group is because they're not showing signs. They're not. So, so like, so mom, so, you know, let's go back to mom for just a mom, second. Mom thinks everything's mom, going okay. Mom thinks everything's going okay. And then all of a sudden, this happens and she's like, oh my gosh, my kid is, is depressed. But she didn't know before mm-hmm. then, yeah. right? I don't yeah. know if mom did. Mom didn't but mention lo- that. I'm just using moms, this as an yes. example. Mm-hmm. But lots of lots of parents, lots of people have no clue. You didn't know. Brittany, you, you, no. you got off the phone with your daughter and never in a million years did you think— never. That would be the last time that you spoke to Arya. And if, if, if even an inkling was in your mind, you would have been in your car and on your way to your mom's house. So I, I would have slept next to her. I would you, have you would have never left her side. No. So the kids no, are not showing signs. Spooning. We would be spooning. Yes, you yeah, would. Yeah, absolutely. So like that's that's the problem. And that is the issue with the spike is really truly what I think is that um, the signs that we look for in suicidal behavior is actually um, no typical, not, I mean, it's, it's typical to teenage behavior. And that's exactly. why these parents, that's why there's these parents that are like, holy crap, like what happened? There's there's me sitting on the floor, like, whoa, what did I do wrong? Because we know what okay? it's like to be 13. We're moody, where we have right. attitudes, we're this, we're that. We and we don't know that that means what that we know what we were like at 13, right? Is there a right way to deal with mental health and suicide, especially when I, we're talking about these teens? I think we're doing it wrong, Danny. I, mm. I think we're doing it wrong because I think these are tools that need to be taught to our children before they get there. Mm. And um, I think we are missing an entire demographic of children because people are not realizing that their kids are struggling until it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And if we don't give them the tools— to help them come down from these emotional experiences that they're going to have, right? Like they're teenagers. They're going to have these emotional experiences. If we don't give them the tools that they need their to first, their first regulate heartbreak, themselves. Yeah, their first heartbreak might kill them, actually. Yeah. It's, because they don't know anything else. To them, it is literally the end of the world. It's like, it, I mean, literally, you're right. They don't see past that moment. Mm-hmm. They literally can't see that in two weeks, 
they might have a brand new boyfriend that's twice as hot. Like, you know, not that that is like the goal of life, but I'm right. just saying that might make them feel better. Yeah, they just, you know, they, or they that might bring them back it. up. Mm-hmm. They right. cannot see past it. And they can't see past it. And I was just going to, prior to, I got, prior to getting to that, I was saying that I went to this seminar with this woman. She put, she put a mason jar in front of me and she put water and she put glitter in the mason jar. And then she took the mason jar and she, and like, once the glitter, like all settled, like it just settled mm-hmm. to the bottom, she picked it up. And she started to shake it. And she said, this is what your kid's brain looks like when there is something going on, right? When there's some sort of an event that's going on, when they're angry, when they're frustrated. And then she set it down. It took a long time for it to settle. Now, if she said, you say something wrong, you pick it up and then you shake it up real quick and you put it back down. Guess what? It's going to take even longer. Because you're re, you're settle. remaking the glitter go around like it doesn't it hasn't even making, had time to settle and you're making it, it hasn't had time to settle. Oh my goodness! So I think that's a really good visual to imagine like what's going on in your kids' brains as they're living and you know as an outsider from a mom who lost her daughter, but I'm watching moms and parents, you know, parent through this COVID. And they're like, oh my gosh, child, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. These kids are driving me nuts. Like, I get that. But like, you need to check in with your kids, man. Yes. Like, they are are feeling your, your stress. And it has nothing. And they are so impacted. Like, this is such an important part for them. Like, being socially invested in sports and... All fire and all of it. And they're not able to do that. So like, as much as I'm like, okay, mom and dad, I, I, I like, I really want to be on your side. Like I can't, I'm like, no, you need to check in with your kid. Yeah. Make sure that your kids are getting the resources and the love and the attention that they need to be supported. So they don't make a rash decision. And I love mom in her email because you could tell that that's the mom that she is, you know, that she's like, I'm trying to do this, I'm doing that, I'm doing these things, you know, and I I love that for her. But I, I know that there are so many parents who can't. And you know why? Because we live in a world that's, like you said, forcing parents to work themselves into the ground. How How can you take care of your kids and actively, like, check in on them when— you're forced as a woman to get back to work so quickly after even having a baby. Like, they don't prioritize mm-hmm. family in this country. They don't prioritize mm-hmm. mental health. They don't They don't prioritize health in general in this country. So, yeah. there's so many things wrong with what is happening in the world, but I can't sit back anymore knowing that the kids are not okay. And yeah. to be clear, the kids are not okay. And, and even if you think the kids are okay, if the, if the kids seem to be okay, what we know now is that sometimes, even when the kids look okay, even when they're displaying things of being okay, they're not okay. And they don't have the tools. So between the school systems, between households and the grown-ups who love these kids— 
I always make the mistake of saying like mom or dad, but I want to be very inclusive here because I know that there are people who are raised by different people who love them. And so I want to say, if you are a grown up in a child's life, you are a grown up in a child's life. It is imperative that you don't just ask yes or no questions because they will say yes or no. I always ask the girls, are you happy? Mm-hmm. I, ask, I, I, I try not to say, hey, are you okay? Are you this? Are you that? I ask, are you happy? Is there anything more I can be doing? Am I, am I, am I making a misstep? Because here's the truth. My kids know I don't get it right all the time because I tell them that. I need Absolutely. there to be. You have a, to be upfront. You have to be upfront. And there has to be a culture of error in your house. Your kids need to know that they're going to be able to make missteps and be able to talk to you about it. They're, they need to know that if they ask you a question that might make you a little uncomfortable, they can still talk about it with you. We have to have these conversations with our kids because if we don't, they're going to go look on the internet. They're going to find it in conversations with their friends. And they're not going to have real, logical, tangible skills and tools to make it through this really, really tough world. Mm-hmm. We, we got to do better. Mm-hmm. We got to do exactly. better. We have I couldn't have said better. it better myself. <laughs> Brittany, I love yeah. you so much for, yes, for what you are doing. Mm. I am so unbelievably grateful and honored that you came on Help a Human Out because I don't think that you're just helping a human out. I think you're going to help many, many humans out. And I think that you're right. When we talk about Arya and we talk about how beautiful and bright Buggy was, it is so imperative that we save these kids because they cannot save themselves without these tools and these skills. And I'm just so grateful for you and for Buggy because Buggy's story is going to save so many people, Brittany. I know you know this. I know that you know that baby did not die in vain. She is going to save all the lives and we are going to do our part, especially you are already on your mission. Help a human out commits to your mission as well. We are going to do whatever we can to help the babies, help the kids, help everyone with this mental health. Mental health is so important. We all know it. We ignore it sometimes. We, We push it down, but it's important. It matters. And we're not getting it right, but we got to figure out how to get it right. We got to figure out how to get it right because we do care. Do Do you care now? Hell yes. We cared then. We didn't know what to say. We didn't have the tools. We didn't have skills. Do you care now? Oh my God, yes. And we still don't have all the tools and the skills that we need. So we have to come together as a community and we have to stop this isolation and this fucking stigma. There's a stigma. People are still terrified to talk about it. Mm. And time and time and again, if you look at research, go ahead and research it yourself. Talking about suicide does not make people complete suicide. Give them the tools. Tell them that you're open to have those conversations with them because the last thing you want is for them to feel like they can't come to you. And you wake up the next morning the way I did. I don't want that for you. I do not want that for you. And I didn't want that for you, Brittany. I need you to know that. No, like nobody 
deserves that. Aria did not deserve that pain. You didn't deserve that. Your family. The trickle-down effects of everyone that her life impacted. And she had no idea how final, you know? That little 13-year-old brain had no idea. And the impact that it has had on so many people all over, everywhere. It's, you know, it, it is an awful, awful thing. But it's a beautiful story. And I'm so proud of you. And I... I think about this letter that mom sent in and and what I want to say, and I'm sure that you'll have, you know, a, a an ending comment for mom. What I want to say is that often I ask myself, am I a good mom? I think we all do it at certain points. Am I a good mom? Am I doing this right? What more can I be doing? And I will say that when you're a mom who cares so much about your child, that you will write a very, very vulnerable email to try to save your child, you're on the right path. You're doing it right. You care. You're asking for resources. You're getting those resources. Mom, I know that this is so difficult and awful, but you're doing the right things. She's doing the right things, right, Brittany? Everything, everything. And and I am going to um, piggyback off of that, that, um, I recently read something that said parents only need to be right 30% of the time, as long as their intention is a hundred percent. Come on. And mom, your intention is a hundred percent. So Brittany, I love you. I love Aria. I love you too. I'm so, so, so proud of you. Thank you for not shutting down. Thank you for forging forward in a mission that is so important. And I want you to know you can call me anytime because if you need someone to ride with you in any situation to save the kids, I am here with you. Right now, I want to take a second and I just want to ask you to give me either your favorite buggy memory, your favorite thing about her, I want to do my part. We here at Help a Human Out want to do our part in keeping Buggy alive. Oh, oh well, um, I have so many. I know. Um, she was such a sweetheart. Okay. Um, I'll make it quick. Um, we were in Scottsdale, Arizona. It was um, spring break. Um, she was 10, maybe 11. And um, we were in Scottsdale Quarters. It's this area that's very popular, probably like the, an uptown um, yeah. mm-hmm. area in Minneapolis. Um, and there's a candy store there. And outside the candy store, um, I found a um, a bag of candy and like $300 in ones and 20s and and um, change and all of that. And um, Aria was with, with me when I found it. And we walked back into the store and we gave it back and said, hey, obviously this person has been to the store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they come back, you know, I want them to be able to have their money and, right. and the things that they bought. Later that evening, we went to dinner and 
Arya went to the bathroom. And when Arya was in the bathroom, she found a wallet full of money. And she brought it up to the host stand. And she came back and she sat down and she didn't tell us. She did not tell us. Um, she just did it on her own. And mm-hmm. about uh, as we were finishing our meal, um, the host came up to us and said, oh, the lady that um, your daughter who found the wallet, she wants to buy you guys, you know, dessert. And wants to buy your daughter dessert. And, and Buggy like, didn't even you tell you about? that she found the wallet. No. Oh, my goodness. She just did it. Oh, wow. She was love. She was she was love. She was advocacy. She is she is still light. You know, it is that that was to is is very hard because she I know is it still is. such a prevalent piece to me. And she is so still so much a part of my life and everything that I do. And she always she will be. She, you know, love always what, will be. What I've learned um with some big losses is that love like that, especially that that parent child love, Brittany. Love like that transcends space, time, everything. That will never go away. You will always feel her. She will always be with you. And she is love. She is light. Those things don't become was. Those things stay is. She is love. They stay is. She is light. And she will always be those things. It's Aria Joy. Thanks for being here with us. Aria's mom is a social worker. Aria was loved and cared for. She was unbelievably talented. She was a happy kid and also she completed suicide. It's not her entire legacy, but unfortunately it is a huge part of it. And if there are kids in your life, I hope you listened. I hope you heard what I just heard. That we all have a responsibility to the kids in our lives. You don't need to be a parent to care about this or to impact it. What in your sphere of influence can you push for to get more social emotional tools, better mental health access to our young people? Who is a young person you can listen to? Who can you be there for? And not just when things are very bad, but before they get super hard, so that they have people to confide in, to protect them when they can't protect themselves. I hope you heard that we need to talk about this and that we need to validate our kids. Everyone is struggling right now. Everyone. This world is hard. It is real, even if it feels small to you. Even if you know that life goes on after middle school, they need to be reminded of that. Yes, we know we made it through. 
but they need to be reminded of that. They need to understand that this is just a moment in a lifetime. They don't understand that their frontal cortex isn't fully developed and that these major decisions are not decisions they would ever make with their developed frontal cortex, with their adult brain. But we are here and it is our job to protect the children, all of them, not just our own, all of them. The night I found out that Bucky died was almost unbearable. I had to bear it. But I do not want to see another mother go through this, another family go through this. Classmates go through this. And I'm here to validate us all. I know life is hard right now. I know that things happen. And I know sometimes it feels like it is too much. I know that. And honestly, I've been there multiple times. I'm so thankful that there are people like Brittany who are willing to share their pain to help heal others, to help save others. Just keep holding on. Keep holding on. I want you to check out our show notes for more information on Brittany, on Aria, and Do You Care Now? And please, 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 please take care of yourselves and each other. The world is already hard enough. We need to be kind to each other. We need to listen to each other. And we need to recognize that even the happiest kids can be struggling. So many people wear a smile while they're hurting and we need to recognize that. We're gonna take a few weeks off from publishing to make more episodes. If there is anything that you like to hear from us about, to talk about, please email us at podcast at stillkicking.co. We wanna make sure we're bringing you good content. We also wanna make sure we're talking about things that matter, things that really will help a human out and in turn help the world out. We wanna bring you good stuff and we want your input and your perspective. So again, that's podcast at stillkicking.co. In the meantime, the conversation will always continue in the Still Kicking Club. The link is in our show notes. Remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at HaHo Podcast. That's at H-A-H-O Podcast. This has been another episode of Help a Human Out. Tough episode, but another. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. We are a production of Still Kickin', and our team is me, Emma Martins, Red Rock Music, and Nora McInerney. And you can learn more and donate to our mission at stillkickin.co slash podcast. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.